0: Test Tube Thursday in for Dan Riskin, Ontario Science Centre senior scientist Walter Stoddard joins us. Hi, Walter. Hi, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. I was uh, threatening to confront you or challenge you with uh, the Jeopardy! question that cost Ray Lalonde uh, his uh, 13-episode run. So we can play this together. I can honestly confess I read the question. I did not know the answer, but let's try it. Category is Foreign-Born Authors. Here's the question. Early in her career, she translated romance novels into Spanish, often changing the dialogue to make the heroines smarter. That tells me nothing. Do you know who that is? I'm afraid
1: I don't. No, I would lose also. No, Okay,
0: Isabella Allende. There you go. So, okay, so we've established that neither Walter nor I would have won on Final Jeopardy. If I understand what happened, actually, in uh, Ray Lalonde's episode, everybody got the answer, but he didn't have enough money to bet, so he ended up cashing out. Okay, so let's get to today's science stories, including a Nobel physicist who is explaining how to cook pasta, and uh, apparently a lot of people are upset about this. All I remember about cooking pasta from cooking school was my teacher would say, Salé comme la mer, which means as salty as the sea, but that's it.
1: <laughs> that that <laughs> sounds like good advice. Uh, I, I, I've never had a uh, uh, extensive experience in cooking pasta myself. I, I just I've, I follow the general rule, right? Which is which is boil it and boil it for enough time that it's it's not gonna it's not gonna stick to the wall, or or maybe it's supposed to stick to the wall. I always get that backwards and make a mess. But the the story itself, for for some reason, it became I I don't know if if a fight's the right word, but the, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, energy behind how people cook and and how it's supposed to turn out. And uh, I I guess a, A physicist weighed in and said here's the most efficient way to do it and like a good scientist they they eliminate for certain variables and chefs accuse them of eliminating for taste (laughs) that uh, they weren't accounting for making good pasta just making efficient pasta and i guess that's where all the energy and excitement came from
0: okay and if i understand correctly it was something like bring the water to a boil throw the pasta in and then turn the heat off or what was the advice so
1: the idea is that in cooking pasta there's two things happening you're rehydrating the noodles and then you're you're also heating it you're cooking it and so their advice is do the two things separately rehydrate so put it in cold water and and let it sit and then after you rehydrate it you can just heat it for for 2 minutes instead of cooking for what what might be 10 and so the idea was to make it more efficient so you're spending less plus energy, heating the pasta. I'm surprised they haven't taken to the streets in Italy because nobody can tell an Italian how to make
0: pasta. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. So apparently new research suggests that a certain amount of stress may actually be good for you.
1: Yes, and uh, the idea has come up in in other research too. Like if you look at uh, psychological studies that, that talk about how to be well, to be your best, and this idea of flow—that you enter this state of flow when you're you're being stimulated, you have uh, enough of a challenge that matches your skill set, and so you're you're engaged fully because you're being challenged fully, and and it's uh, that same idea arises where they, they what they did was they looked at uh, reported levels of stress, and when you get too high, there's a there's a deferment, but this kind of sweet spot seem to really strengthen your working memory so you're able your ability to, to recall and to and to remember as you as you perform certain tasks so it was this this idea that with the right amount of stress not too too little too little you're comatose uh too much and 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 you're stressed out but with just that right level of stress you're able to to recall and perform better That would be a hard thing to regulate though, because I
0: you know, I can't imagine I think I have a fairly stressful life, but I can't necessarily rank myself in terms of whether
1: it's too much. That's right. And in in fact, that's part of where when we learn stress management, right? Like if as we we learn to, to to manage our own levels of stress when it when it feels like it's too much, we can we can bring that level
0: down. So, in adolescence, social media could be a brain changer. There's a headline, but my question for you, Walter Stoddard, would be for for good or for ill?
1: Well, uh, the study suggests that what happens is you end up being, uh, in in adolescence, in the developing brains, that that, uh, those who checked their social media very frequently became more sensitive to social inputs. And... uh, one can imagine that that's for ill when you think of uh, how social inputs can can drive us. Uh, you think of peer pressure and, and the way in which uh, one might be seeking to to please a group or to please others rather than the seeking to do what's right. And so the the study looked at this result of habit forming. Checking of social media, so checking social media, having that, doing that habitually, that there's, it seems to go hand in hand with that, that extra sensitivity to to social input and and being guided by by social pressure.
0: Okay, and a study about age-related hearing loss uh, that was done with mice. I don't even know how do you establish whether a
1: mouse can hear you. Yeah, <laughs> not an easy study. It's true. Uh, what, what they were looking at is um, the activity of their of their neurons and also their response to noises. Uh, it, the, the mouse would uh, lick a, a water spout when they heard a specific noise. And so they basically trained them and conditioned them to do that uh, so that they would, uh, when, when that noise was played. And so if they heard the noise, they'd They'd lick. And if they didn't hear the noise, they wouldn't. Uh, and they, what they found was that uh, with the older mice, that they would, there were two behaviors. One, they would not hear uh, the, the, the noise, but they would also hear the noise in their, in their own mind when it wasn't being played. So they'd think they heard the noise. And so they, they looked at, at neurons, at, at brain activity, and the idea is simple which is, is in itself a little profound, right? That we don't just hear with our ears, but we hear with our brain as well. And so our brain interprets signals. And what it looks like is that some hearing loss might be associated with our, our brain's neurons being uh, overactive in some areas. And so if, if that's true, then it might be possible to actually learn to hear better and that learning uh, can overcome perhaps some of the hearing loss through aging. So very, uh, very interesting study indeed. I hear what you're saying. Walter, thanks
0: a lot. Good of you to be here this week. My pleasure.